And we're live. I'm here with uh, James. James, how you doing? Hey, I'm great, Caleb. Thanks for having me on. About time. Oh, yeah, about <laughs> time. Well, you, you've been on with Jose. I've been on with Jose. You've been on with Jacob. I've been on with Jacob. You've been on with Adam. I've been on with Adam. I kept waiting for one of these guys to say let's do a, a double episode with both these guys, and then it never happened. And so I figured, fuck it, I'll do it myself. There we go. Well, thanks. Um, so uh, you you were stuck in traffic coming home from the gym. Is that right? Yes, yes. Cool. I did not what? anticipate, like, I figured I'd, I'd get out after 5 o'clock traffic, but in 5 o'clock traffic was going to, like, 7. And so it just oh God. kept going. The uh, the gym thing is on my mind right now. I'm doing my first powerlifting competition this weekend, and I'm very excited. Uh, I've, I, I've never thought of myself as a powerlifter. I was, like, in high school, I was an offensive lineman on the football team, and I was the only lineman who could not bench 200 pounds. And, like, that... And I was over 200 pounds. Like, you know, it was, it was, you know, the inability to bench my own weight really was the, was the big thing. Cause that was like what you were supposed to be able to do as like the benchmark or whatever, uh, no pun intended. And so, uh, now like I, I still can't bench my weight, but that's just because I'm fucking fat and heavy, but, uh, I'm Same. well over 200 pounds, which is cool. Um, benching well over 200 pounds. I mean, nice. um, so I'm, I'm curious, like what, what your gym routine is like. Uh, before we before we actually get into the interview, <laughs> okay. Uh, it was for like a, it was um a window when I was doing like solid. I was benching. I was doing um, I lost like forty pounds. I was doing squats, bench, all of it, and then COVID had my gym set down, and I'm I just now finally kind of get back into the flow of everything because it just kind of oh, knocked on my ass and I didn't go for a while, but now I'm just doing uh, the simple walk as I go in, hour of cardio, two um two tests. Normally it's like a incline a bit uh, and a well incline and a regular press and then two triceps and then i do the sauna i do the same with every muscle group i just do two muscle groups a day uh normally buy them back legs and sodas just to try and then uh do that three days rest one day go back to the three days nice just keep it very simple I don't, I don't have a whole lot of time and energy like going to the gym after walking out in the florida sun all day it, it's just it's it's just oh. exhausting damn i don't think i even knew you were from florida oh yeah I, I guess away. that explains the. I guess that explains the NASA hat. <laughs> Status. Yes. <No. laughs> well, I have to. I have to wear this. I have the, the hat and the how the books is organized. Is all I attempt to gatekeep. Like if you notice, I have the Trump Kaczynski hat, my next by uh -huh. Trump book, and the Kaczynski book. The goal is that hopefully people will see that and then not ever want to watch the show. Same with nice. the Yaki book up there. I got. Yeah. I got to gatekeep us the background. You know. Yeah, yeah. You got to keep your audience curated. Otherwise, just anybody will join the join the chat and shit, and you don't want that uh, to happen. I mean, exactly. We got Zon over here. The same. Oh, John, John, <laughs> John, my I'm my good. favorite stalker. No, just kidding. Yeah, I love. I love, John. I love John to time. death. John is John is one of the very few people who, um, I have like a kind of ongoing one on one conversation, and like we're in group chats and stuff together. Mm -hmm. You hear all about these libertarian group chats, and I'm in none of them, um, except for one that John. Well, there was one that John put together uh, that has since kind of gone defunct because we're in other ones that are um, a little bit more lively. But uh, yeah, he's he's a good person to bounce ideas. Has he been on your show? Yeah, I had I had him and uh, Tommy and a friend of mine, Caleb, on for a uh, Jung, Jung episode. Oh, well, actually, those, I'm having those same guys on again. We're doing a Jung series. We're going to have those same guys on to cover more Jung books. Nice. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll maybe I'll just watch that instead of actually reading Jung, which he's uh, he's hard to read. Yeah, I know. It's it's a uh, actually yes, uninsufferable friends. John he he just he just told me told us the name of his group. It was uninsufferable friends, and we became too insufferable, uh, which <laughs> was why he just dissolved it. Um, Jung. So no, I'm thinking of Nietzsche. There was a there was a course at 
Thad Russell's now maybe defunct. I don't even know if Renegade University is still a thing. Um, I, really, I really like the idea of Renegade University. It seemed like a good yeah. idea. I'm going to try to revive it. Um, nice. Oh, it's still it's still there. It's the site's still awesome. up. It looks like you can still pay for stuff. They're, they'll still take your money, but uh, Thad's not Thad's not involved, and I'm not involved, so I don't really know kind of what the behind the scenes stuff is there. Um, I am working with Jason Stapleton and soon to be Tom Woods on um, a site called Liberty Creators, which uh, we uh, so it's inspired by Matt um, Erickson, who when he was on my show with LB Muniz just kind of off the cuff said, he goes, Liberty is not something you ask for. It's something you create. Mm-hmm. Um, he was of course, you know, speaking uh, kind of against politics and voting and that sort of thing. And it, you know, that falls right in line with Michael Malice's thing. You can't vote yourself free and you can't, you can't spend yourself rich. Um, and that really, so Liberty is not something you ask for. It's something you create really, really hit home for me. Um, I, so I, I want I, I want to create my own liberty, but I also want to help other people create their own liberty. And if I can, in helping other people create their liberty, create some of my own, um, and by liberty I mean money, uh, <laughs> yeah. then then, uh, then then I'd love to be able to do that. Um, that's that's really the only definition of liberty I accept nowadays. Yeah, money. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> the definition I just ignore. <laughs> yeah. Definition. Well, I I think Jason Stapleton had the right idea with with wealth, power, and influence. I, mm-hmm. Um. I have kind of, you know, rejoined and uh, become much more active in Libertarian Party stuff. Um, But I don't see it necessarily as a mechanism for achieving liberty so much as, you know, interfacing with and finding people who would like to achieve liberty. Yeah, if that that's, makes sense. that's the only that's really the only part of Mises caucus strategy that I I like is that it is a community of people yeah. who agree on things. Yeah. Um that's like the I think that's the only really the only good parts out of Mises caucus strategy I, I found a, that and making Nick Saw walk freak out about being assaulted. Dude. Like that alone was just like that <laughs> like if I if I knew that was going to happen I would have gave them money even though I don't agree with them. I would have given them money that, just for that. That easily could have been me too. I I walked up to Nick um, the day before that happened, and uh, you know I shook his hand. I said, "Hey, you know, um, I wanted to because th- he had been um, kind of interjecting throughout all of our kind of coup attempt stuff. Hey, you really don't want to do this. It's going to be less efe- less efficient in the long run. I've been there, and like you know, I mean, as much as we hate to say it, like you kind of do need those people with the institutional knowledge." Um, as much as we might hate institutionalism, you know, the bureaucrats who have been there, done that kind of know their shit. Uh, and so Nick was giving us some pretty good advice. So I walked up and I said, Hey, you know, we don't see eye to eye, um, ideologically or, uh, from a, from a strategic standpoint, but, you know, I do appreciate that, you know, you were imparting some of that, some of your wisdom on us yesterday. Uh, and he, and, and oh, uh, so the crux of it though was I said I said um, you know I, I'm hoping that we can find some co- common ground and you know work together sometime in the future. And he said, well, I don't think that's going to happen. And here's why. And then he proceeded to like shit on Dave Smith and in particular their Soho Forum debate, which I hadn't thought about in years, but apparently is still just top of mind for him. Um, it got a little bit heated, uh, and he started to walk away while I was in the middle of a sentence. So I started to kind of match pace with him <laughs> and he threatened to call security on me. <laughs> so wow. I, uh, he I'm glad that I'm, I'm glad that he didn't, that. I'm glad that he didn't shoulder bump me. Uh, Cause you know, I don't want to talk to the cops. Yeah. 
What is libertarian who hates hates the police but calls the cops the moment uh, anyone touches him? That's yep. like the that's like peak autism right there. It's like it's absolutely crazy. Uh, well, I don't I don't know. I mean, I think it I think it borders on what was your what was your uh, you had like a try in thing. There was there was um, autism was in the middle of it and yeah. God, it was just he, yesterday. Oh, uh, it was uh yeah, it was a uh, the three tiers of libertarian Twitter. It was uh. Wazim libertarians, autistic libertarians, and schizo libertarians. Right. So that was, borders, I think, on schizo, even if he is still regime. Yeah. Like he's he, he's crossing over, but he's crossing boundaries. <laughs> we we need him to go on uh, not a podcast. Like that's that's the go. Give him schizo, this schizo to go on not a podcast. I, I I'm ashamed to say I've still never I've still never listened to a single episode of not a podcast. Um, and I've only watched like half an episode, if even that, of Slurp Gang. Um. I love Slurp. Slurp is my favorite podcast. Yeah. It's well, it's great. a lot of people's. And I feel like if I would give it the time to learn all the inside jokes and the personalities and stuff, I'd probably like it better. Um, it's really not I, a whole I, lot of inside jokes. It's, just, it's really? just, yeah. Like the only like real inside jokes is uh, Low Tax's mom is dead. <laughs> Which I don't know how that make. And this, this is a joke to shit on one guy because he brought up, um, he brought up like Low Tax's mom died. And everyone was like, who the fuck is Low Tax? And he what? just killed the entire momentum of the episode. And they oh, no. ended it, and so that's like the only inside joke that is uh good. Yeah, the show actually well, uh Jay, the guy who like runs it and uh Eddie, like left the show today, which is uh kind of sad. Uh-huh. So it's I don't know if I, I don't know if something's like going to continue. What's going to happen with it? it? Might be over. Might be dead. Which would really suck because it's a it's a great show. I hope it's not over. Um, yeah. did is Nick Ashley still doing stuff with them or? Uh, <laughs> he deleted his account. So on Twitter, so I I don't know. Oh, did he really? He yeah, keeps he's doing he, that. I, I can't keep him. up with that dude, man. <laughs> yeah, I should just, you know, I I've got his phone number. I should really just text him. Like we haven't talked, we haven't talked him forever. Uh, I miss him. He's he's such a good dude. Cool um, guy. I love that guy. One of my favorite people on Twitter. At least one of, was one of my favorite people on Twitter. I guess. Man, yeah, I think I compared him to Michael Malice once. That was probably a bit of an <laughs> overstatement, but whatever. Yeah, Nick's way better. What <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was I gonna say? Ah, oh, shit. Uh, oh right timeline earth that's another one um i used to listen to them pretty regularly uh but then like none of them would respond to my messages so i kind of stopped listening which is probably a dumb reason to stop listening to a podcast you enjoy but i'm actually i just started listening to them uh probably a week ago because i i i uh i really enjoyed bird stuff where so hey look hey what the hell nick's here he's nick he's talking about oh my god where have you been uh Hit N in the chat, I guess. Is that what we do still? I don't even know. I, I made a dude, I made a, a test video just to hop into stream yard to test a few things. So I t- labeled labor to test. It was never gonna post and publish it or even like go live, and people were already posting the ends and that's in like just the waiting lobby, waiting lobby. <laughs> uh, Damn. Um, Nick, were you not here when we were talking about you like two seconds ago? Uh wow, cool. Uh, well, it's good to see you, Nick. I'm glad you're here. We should catch up soon. Um, but now back to us. Um, so what have you been, what have you been thinking about lately? What's been on your mind? Um, questioning, I mean, uh, big news today for myself is I went on a Twitter and posted, I'm no longer a libertarian. And so that kind of, uh, well, I guess that's the forefront of what I've been talking about. Um, but yeah, I just, I've had some, uh, I want really, I want to talk about like, I, uh, you ideological thing. I think you've gone from agorist to Mises caucus to yeah. now you're doing your own thing, kind of. Well, kind of all over the place on um, like strategy yeah. and that kind of stuff. 
so I've had, I've had a very long sort of ideological journey that, um, it, I mean, it, it, it started like a long, long time ago. I mean, I came from the left to super hyper traditionalist Catholic Catholicism. Um, I was a set of vacant set of vacantists for a while. Uh, so like really, really hyper traditionalist. Um, and in 2020, I sort of hitched my wagon to Pete Quinones, who started identifying as an agorist. Um, I don't know if I stopped identifying as that or he did first, but uh, it it became very clear very quickly that it was kind of unworkable. Um, I you know I mean I like the ideology. I think it's cool. I think it's maybe the purest form of libertarianism. Um, but it's also very pie in the sky and like, like there's, there's, there's just, there's no way that Konkin is right that black and gray markets are going to take down the state. Like that's just not, that's not, that's not the, that's not the like real world conclusion of, of agorism. Um, you might have a lot of, a lot more people creating their own freedom, which I think is great. Uh, but the kind of freedom that you kind of have to create as an agorist, um, either is like a homestead, which I, I mean, look at me, I'm not a homesteader uh, or like a nomad, like Sal the Agorist is not a homesteader, but he's, he's a total nomad. Um, yeah. He answers to nobody. He does what the fuck he wants. He travels all over the place. And he, he blocked me um, on Twitter last week. Sadly. Was that because you, was that because you liked a tweet? Um, I liked, I, I was on the side of Sobo, the Sobo uh, caucus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, he said, he's, actually, he's been on my show. I really enjoy talking to him. Like he's a yeah, really fun guy to talk to. He's just his Twitter. Like, I don't know. It's like there's the people on Twitter. Like, like uh, what's the name? A uh, Mac McKinsey, um, from um the Hoppy and stuff. Like on Twitter, we never vibe on Twitter, but on podcast, I always have a great time talking to her. Sure. It's like there's, there's, there's several people who are like on Twitter, and I just I, I ignore them on Twitter normally because all interactions just don't vibe. But like face to face or on a podcast, it's like we're, we're just vibing, having a great time. So it's it's, it's, it's weird. I I don't know if I have anybody like that on Twitter, but I also don't interact with people. Like I try not to interact with people negatively on Twitter. Um, I think I, I went through my, I went through my like online debating phase in the Tom Woods group on Facebook. So like it was very <laughs> insular and uh, you know, I, I kind of got that all out of my system. Uh, it was also, I mean, part of it was just my, my partner, you know, shamed me so much for all of the arguing I did online that I finally realized, Hey, wait a second. This isn't just him making fun of me. This is him pointing out that like, it's a complete waste of time what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I try to keep my Twitter stuff, you know, as positive as I can. And if I'm debating or being argumentative, it's usually to build on what someone else said rather than to contradict what they said. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I, I don't, I didn't intentionally start doing that, but I do, I do do that a lot. It's more, it's a lot of yes ands rather than, you know, no buts. So mm. I, I kind of like that. Yeah. Um, I don't really do debates on Twitter either. I guess this is Ace. I, I enjoy oh interacting with Ace on Twitter only because I think it's a great sounding board for hearing the purest form of what an anarchist principle would lead to. And he helped me work out why I'm not an anarchist. So I uh, thank you, Ace, for being not an anarchist. Are you the one who put up the poll? Uh, who's the most consistent motherfucker you know, Ace or Dave Smith? Yes. Okay. I saw that earlier today. I was like, I'm not even responding to this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Ace. I think Ace is more consistent than Dave. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I, think I, I really. I mean, in fact, I'm, I'm just gonna vote right now. Oh, of course, Dave Smith is winning. Yeah, I, and it's not a fair poll. Obviously, I'll retweet. I'll retweet and but, see if. Uh, see if you can. 
get the right answer. Anyone who uh, knows Ace and knows Dave knows the answer is Ace. I mean, yeah, it's... obviously. Um, but there is something to be said for uh, pragmatism. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that it's useful to sit around and argue about philosophy. Um, like it can be fun, I guess, and there is utility in fun. Um, but we have to, or I have to keep in mind that it is a leisurely activity and not something that is, you know, actually efficacious in any real way. Um, I saw a tweet today. uh, Let's see. So it was a response to Biden's chief economic advisor, not being an economist, but having previously worked in ESG and, um, you know, the oil production having been, you know, unilaterally cut off by the executive branch of the government leading directly to these insane prices of gas. Uh, someone tweeted as a response to this, you know, little, little tweet thread. I really do think some people had the mentality of if we just demonize present technology enough, a green solution will be forced to emerge. And I said, if you replace present technology with the state and green with libertarian, you've got the fatal flaw of political libertarianism. So basically I really do some, think some people had the mentality of if we just demonize the, the state enough, uh, a libertarian solution will be forced to emerge. And to me, that's absolutely not true. If you demonize the state enough, you just end up looking like a conspiracy theorist and eventually get thrown into jail. Uh, because whether you, whether you demonize the state or not, the state's going to get stronger and it's going to continue victimizing you unless you, either have some sort of bulwark against it or the state uh, eventually collapses. I don't think that the libertarian solution is really found in electing libertarian politicians. Um, again, I think it's in, you know, individuals finding their own freedom, creating their own freedom. And that's the part of agorism. I like, I think agorism is, is great for like the counter, the counter economic yeah. side of agorism. I think it's effective. I think the overall, the whole ideology, it has to, it, it doesn't, it was in a way personal, but it won't ever escape. Maybe in, in the family of your family or your close knit community, mm-hmm. and whenever whenever scale up would high enough. Yeah, I don't see you ever gonna get enough people to all sign on to agorism. This because of you know people, some people just aren't able, aren't gonna be able to cut it. And well, so I, just, I just don't think it functions. And I think that's why Jason Stapleton's message, uh, or his former message, he doesn't really his 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 shows no longer well power and influence. Um, and he talks a little bit about those topics, but also he's been delving more into into current events. He's kind of balancing them, which I kind of like. Um, I'm a huge fan of Jason Stapleton's. Um, but uh, the old, you know, the wealth, power, and influence model um, is, to me, uh, sort of a more realistic, I guess, and practicable form of agorism. Um, and in fact, Jose has called it like modern, modern day agorism, which, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not very Konkinian, but you know, if you want to call it that and you're an agorist influencer, by all means go for it. Cause yeah. to me, I think agorism proper doesn't have legs. Um, so Jason, um, like I said, I, I'm working with him, uh, and I don't necessarily agree with the idea of like, you know, buying a lobbyist or buying a congressman so that you can really get your political way. Uh, but I do, like I said, think that creating your, creating your liberty is the best way to achieve your liberty rather than trying to, you know, elect somebody to the position. I'm a fan of the uh, most power influence idea. Many because I think the uh, el- elites run everything. And unless you have your own set of counter elites or a parallel, yeah. or a parallel elites that are going to be able to, 
cover, protect, or be a counter to the current elites, you're not going to ever have any success. Yeah, totally. This is, the problem. Like, this is actually um, this is the problem. Everyone was going after Jason Stapleton for the uh, world power and influence idea. I can point out like how, the fact that like Mises and Wasp wouldn't have jobs if it wasn't for the uh, elites who paid for them the right things. Yeah, absolutely. Really, well, and and important. I think that we as Mises Caucus people, because I am I'm I'm a Mises like my my name tag with all of my Mises Caucus buttons and ribbons and lanyard and everything is like right there. I can see it, and I I'm not ashamed of that at all. I love the Mises Caucus. I'm a member. Um, I I'm uh not an organizer anymore, but I was. Mm -hmm. Uh. And, you know, I have no, I have no qualms about that. Um, but I think that one of the biggest flaws of the Mises people um, is that we tend to become, I'm hesitant to say cultish, but like, we're, we're so, we're so insular and such a, such a like tight knit community, I guess, that any sort of detraction, whether it be Jason Stapleton saying, you know, oh, you need to build your own liberty or Mark Claire saying, Hey, you guys are probably wasting your time. Get the fuck out of the city and, you know, shore up your defenses. Don't spend uh, money going to a, uh, going to Reno when you can't pay rent. Yeah, exactly. Like whatever the, whatever the counter message is, um, or Vin Armani saying, you know, Dave Smith's a predator. Uh, I, I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't take Vin. He he, he he he's agreed to come on my podcast if I buy his book and he only can buy it in Bitcoin, which I respect the hustle. I respect that hustle. I completely oh. respect him. I just, I can't. He's he's. Does too he literally to want me. you to buy his book, or does he want you to read his book uh, that you have somehow otherwise acquired? Because I can send you the PDF. It's a fantastic book. I think he like, wants even you to if buy you don't. Book. Well, I'll send I'll send you the book because it's really good. Um, mm. he. He he describes and defines the Trinity better than any theologian you will ever read. It is a phenomenal book. It's a phenomenal theology book, and it's a phenomenal cryptocurrency book. I don't know how he did it, but it's really, really, really good. Um, so I highly recommend it to anybody. Uh, Vin's past, present, um, and far past notwithstanding. Yeah. Um, so anyway... The, the Mises Caucus has a tendency to really, really react to any sort of detraction, and especially we re we react to apostasy, um, which, you know, being Catholic, you know how religions react to apostasy. So in, in order to not become like the faith of the Mises Caucus, I really, really try to... Um, try to temper that not only in myself that's not an instinct i have really like i'm not i'm not i'm not i don't know i don't know what what it is about my personality that makes me not react like that um like i don't i don't feel like loyalty is owed to anybody um i think that you know you're loyal insofar as your loyalty benefits you uh which might make me a bit of a sternerite i don't really know um, <laughs> but but uh the 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 idea that like Mark Claire is now an apostate doesn't really come to my mind, um, but it does come to the mind of a lot of people in the caucus, and uh, I don't think that that's helpful to anybody. It's not, you know, it's yeah. it might be helpful to Mark in curating his audience, like you were saying earlier, like you know that's why I have my Kaczynski book up there, um, but uh, it's not helpful to anybody in the caucus. I mean, what if he has something valuable to say? I think he does, but even if you don't think he does isn't it worth listening to this guy who like has been wise about everything else for these last, I don't know what, eight years. Um, yeah. So yeah, just, just, just 
dismissing someone whole cloth because they've because they've rejected your way of thinking is not it's not really a good a good way to do business it's a weird um it's something to me this caucus it's like overall libertarians like i my tweet today about no longer being a libertarian the official libertarian party of connecticut they commented and tried to argue with me about it and I'm like, I, I, I have a podcast that's under forms of subscribers. You're an official state party. <laughs> what are you doing? What, what are you doing? You are a state party and you're spending your time on Twitter calling my, my statement bullshit. What is this? It, it was just, it was, the, I, I couldn't get my head. I they follow me. I don't even follow them. I couldn't want my head around weird. It. Well, I mean, they probably follow, I mean, they follow me too. I don't know if I follow them or not, but uh, it's, you know, I'm sure they follow like any, any, libertarian or libertarian ish podcaster um yes. so why are you why are you coming out as not a libertarian anymore i think uh libertarian there's a few different reasons mainly the main reason is um i don't ide- ideologically fit inside the libertarian ideological bubble neatly into it and so i don't want to be um either a saying something having people commenting well actually according to the libertarian principle was by what about in the 80s i don't want to deal with that I going to say I'm not a libertarian, and I didn't want to make other libertarians look bad. But if I, if I have a shit take on something, I don't want that to reflect any other libertarian. And so I've decided sure. like, I'm just going to distance myself because I don't. Also, I, I'm at this point I'm just non-ideological. I just I don't like I don't want any uh, strict ideology that I can just. Um, I think I think ideological thinking is bad. I think it's uh, detriment to overall thinking and overall like figuring out the world and making political action. And so I've just kind of moved into this non-ideological. But my style of uh, politics, cool. so I just I don't want to wait. Tied into sorry, what what style of politics? But Burnhamite, like the things. Oh, okay, J- James Burnham. Okay, so yeah. like, would you would you classify yourself as like a Machiavellian? Like, are you are you in the the Pete camp, or like is that is that a little too far? Where where, where are you at? I mean, uh, I'm I'm pretty. If I had to pick someone to make I align with, most probably Pete. He's got me. He's got me reading Yaki, and so I'm doing a lot of uh. Basically, at this point, anytime Pete says a book, I buy that book and read it. Um, that's my. <laughs> I right. I, I, I finished the book and text Pete. Hey, I finished the book. What should I do next? <laughs> like, so I I kind of just go where he uh says to go. But um, I I don't have, I'm not fully 100 on board with everything he says. Yeah. Um, I will say he did have uh Doctor E Michael Jones on recently, and I I love Doctor E Michael Jones. Like, oh, Who, I who's that? A few different times. He's a um. He's a Catholic doctor. I don't know where the doctor is in exactly, but he runs a magazine uh, called Culture Wars, and he's been canceled a lot for saying some. Um, well, it's kind of it's how to put this. Um, he wrote a paper or an, or an article or something about how Jews won uh, Jews won pornography, um, and everyone kind of went after him for it. But in a, a, a Jewish person took the same article and uh, posted it and basically said, "Yeah, but it's good." And everyone said, yeah, you're right, it is good. And so it was like, it told him it was a lie because he was just lying about uh, Jews wanting pornography. But when a Jewish person said it was true and good, it was like everyone agreed with this guy. And so it was just, um, he's been canceled. You can't find any of his books on Amazon. You can't find him anywhere. He um, He's a huge anti-porn advocate. And he has his argument that porn is pushed by people in power to control populations. Um, what, is the, what is the benefit in pointing out that Jews run pornography? I don't know exactly. I, I didn't. I was so for me. Um, how do I put this? He has a whole book on the Jewish revolutionary spirit. Um, I'm not into any. I I don't care about race. I care about the ideology of people who are in, who are doing things. So I must be more interested in yeah. the idea the Jewish whatever. What's the ideology of the people who run porn? That's more interesting to me than the fact that they have the Jewish or a yarmulke. 
that's um, that's a that's that's a little bit my issue. Like I could definitely, and I don't know if Pete listens to your show or not. Um, and I haven't not? said this to Pete. I haven't said this to Pete's face. Um, I probably would if we were talking. Um, I haven't talked to Pete in a while, unfortunately. But uh, you know, I mean, I I could definitely see this this trend um, that I'm seeing in Pete leading eventually to him becoming like the next Chris Cantwell. And I don't want to see Pete crying on the news because he got arrested for rioting um, at a, at a, you know, protest for some sort of, you know, white nationalist cause or whatever. Um, That's my one concern with the direction that I see Pete going. That said, I haven't listened to his show in a little while. So, um, so, you know, I, it might not be that he's actually going that direction. It might just be that, like, the few clips that I've caught have happened to mention Jews or yeah, the yeah, Jews, which, that, which is even that, worse. Yeah, what well, is a weird thing <laughs> but, with, like, revisionist history is that when you get, anytime you care about, like, revisionist history of, like, anything involving World War One, World War Two, and anything yeah. after that, it is a, a major Jewish element that is not, like, talked about in mainstream history. And so it's very easy to kind of yeah. read that and go, oh, this guy's just talking about a Jewish conspiracy. So, no, he's just talking history, and Jews have played well, a major role in a lot of historical events. Yeah, so Thad's about to come out with a book that um, Ooh, is wait. going to be very controversial because he uh, questions the Holocaust orthodoxy. Um, I don't know how it's going to be received, being that it's Thad Russell and not you know Chris Cantwell writing this mm-hmm. book. Um, I'm very interested to see what it, what, what happens. Because, because even like when he was on my show most recently, he laid out his case very briefly. Um, and people I've never heard of, people who don't follow either me or Thad, somehow got their hands on that podcast episode and blew up my Twitter. So, so I'm interested to see what his actual case in writing in this scholarly, um, well, I, I guess it's going to be a popular history book, but it will be, you know, well, well researched and footnoted. Um, I, I love this last book, uh, "Winning a History in the United States." Yeah, I am, I'm yeah, it's about fucking time he came out with another one too. Yes, like I, people like to hate on Sad. I, I, lo- I love Sad. I love listening For, to him. I don't, I, I'm not, I don't always agree. I don't agree with everything because I'm not a postmodernist. I'm a Thomist. Sure, uh, but I think I, I've tried to get him on before because I want to do a, uh, I do an explain to me like I'm five series. So I have any topic and a guest comes on, explain to me like I'm five. Oh, cool. I want to get him on for explain to me like I'm five postmodernism. Where he just goes through the basics of postmodern thought and kind of explains it like a, a basic level of it. Uh, but he you know, will not respond to any of my, my tweets. If you can get Bird from Timeline Earth to do that, he's he's I better he's better at explaining Bird. it than yeah he's I've, better at I've explaining also, it. Than he's not responding to my tweets either. He Damn. follows me, but he won't respond to my ass. Yeah, he like doesn't respond it. to mine either. I I tried to get him on you know a long ass time ago. Yeah, uh, he's he's and, great, and we're both Catholics. I was really hoping I would I could get him, but yeah. he's not responding to any of my. Uh, I might well, just DM him, but I've never he's because he follows that I have his DMs, but I've never actually DM'd him, so I don't I don't know if I want to do that yet. He's a he's a but. big nose Italian and Catholic, so it's a little bit different, I think. Italians, God's chosen people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, did you know that you shared the name with the director of communications for the Cato Institute? And for the longest time, I thought you were him. Yes. Have I, I, t- have I might have even fo- told you that before. No, people have followed me and DM me talking about that Caleb. People on mm-hmm. Facebook have tagged me, have tagged Caleb Brown, that Caleb, to complain yeah. about something he said. I'm like, dude, I agree with you. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not that guy. I've actually texted him and we talked. I call him my evil twin. Um, I want to get him on the podcast. I think that'd be hilarious, but uh, it I don't would think be going to happen. Oh, he, he's he's great. I, I used to listen to the Cato podcast religiously. Mm-hmm. Um, it stopped having appeal for me even before Reason did. Um, but uh, you know, I I think 
I think getting Cato's take on stuff is usually a pretty good way to get like sort of the plumb line. Here's what the regime libertarians are talking about. And it's not a long podcast either. If it's even still out, I don't know. It used to be like 15 minutes a day or something like that. Um, anyway, I just thought that was a fun coincidence. Have we ever met in person? Were you at the Tom Woods 2000 or anything like that? I was, but I didn't, I didn't see you there. Were you oh, there? Damn. I was definitely there. I, I thought I met everybody. Oh, well. No, there's no way I met everybody. There was, you know, a thousand people, yeah. but only person um, I met okay. was uh Reed and Jose. All right. The people I met. I uh I saw P I saw a few of the people. Um I, I, I get very sad on people, so I don't normally approach people. I did, however, get a photo with So Bissip and Air of July, which was a uh, the highlight really? of the weekend. <laughs> That's yeah. great. I saw Tho at uh I we keep bringing up Thad. Man, uh, <laughs> I saw Tho at Thad's thing the either the following or the preceding weekend. Uh, to the Tom Woods event and we got into it a little bit, uh, not got into it, but like he did a recording of Buck Johnson's show. Um, and his, he said something about like, just completely re- you have to like take an authoritarian approach to public universities, remove any, any hint of Marxism. Um, and I was, so my response, which, you know, Pete shits on this response a lot. Uh, my response was something like, you know, yeah, you say that now, but that expends way more political capital than you have just by winning a governorship. And, you know, whether whether it's the next election cycle or, you know, 12 years from now, eventually the other side is going to come into power. And the more you've punished them, like the bigger the backlash is going to be. Yeah. And the left has a much, much more cultural cachet. Like they're going to be able to sell their um, backlash a lot better than you were able to sell your, what they, what they're going to call aggression. Um, I don't know. I I don't know what Pete's response to that argument is. All I know is that he talks about it in mocking tones. So I'm guessing he doesn't agree with it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, do you have, do you happen to know? Uh, I I I don't know. I would like to know. know. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what the response be for that one. Um, I, I do know I, when it comes to like, let's see, maybe, a few months ago, I was working on a PD. I was working on like a uh, PowerPoint presentation on how to take back uh, universities, and I've since scrapped the idea because I'm not sure you can. Um, yeah. But I'm much more on the camp of like, how do you like my problem with universities? I would love to see more Catholics build more universities and start new schools, but the yeah. accreditation system is such a such bullshit. You really can't start new schools super easily. Well, you need more. You need more people like the Domino's founder to you know, create Ave Maria's and, um, you know, just some, some order of monks that, you know, I I know there are still Orthodox orders somewhere Mm -hmm. that that are, that are upholding the tradition, uh, because the one in that one is not paying attention right now. Yeah. It's not, I mean, it's not the diocesan priests for the most part. It's probably not the Jesuits who educated me. Um, so I know, but like, I don't know. I mean, there have got to be and I'm not talking about like the Society of St. Pius X. I'm talking about like, you know, just people who are plumb line Catholics who are going to teach Catholicism to people in a Catholic university. Um, maybe what we need is some kind of revival, uh, like a like a like a Catholic Great Awakening or something like that. Was the Great Awakening the revival in the 19th century? I can't remember. I, I believe it was. I, I could be mistaken. I okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, if there were if there were ten, say Thomas Aquinas colleges and Ave Maria's and, you know, Catholic versions of Hillsdale instead of just two, 
you know, all it would take is that many. Like it's not it's not like it's not like you need to turn every single university into a you know great book, great books curriculum. You know, teaching Aristotle and Aquinas directly from the first sources uh, in order to enact a cultural change. I mean, look at look at Austrian economics. Um, all it took was the Mises Institute educating a handful of uh, of kids who be who ended up becoming PhD level economists, and now there's Austrian econo economists in at least every region of the country and universities. Oh, yeah. You know, maybe not in every single university, but they're 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 becoming more and more, um, you know, common. You know, it's not it's not tough to find an Austrian. I think there's even an Austrian economist at the University of Minnesota who I could just call up and say, hey, you know, here's 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 what here's what I here's what I want to know. Can you grab a cup of coffee with me? Um, mm. That would not have happened 15 years ago. Not at all. I, I um, Yeah, it's, it's weird to me because like I I only got into libertarianism. Let's see. Um, when did Zoe Zolgitson one? Was it um, what was the, what was the last election? 2020. 2020. Yeah. Yes, I've only been a I've only been in the libertarian camp for probably two years now. Um, oh. Yeah, I, I came in through I came in through Joe Jorgensen. You're kidding um, me? No, no, I'm not. Okay, I like to. I need to know that story. That's funny. <laughs> okay, I uh, I met Joe Jorgensen at a rally. Okay. And I and I listened to her uh, give a speech, and I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed the memes, and I I uh, I enjoyed like. I was a Ben Sapiro conservative guy. And so he went like, I, I, he was like, this actually makes pretty sense. Sure. And then, like a month later, he went on with Tom Woods. I'm like, this Tom Woods guy is the shit. And I just watched all I could watch of Tom Woods. Yeah. Uh, and from there, it was like from Tom Woods to Dave Smith and Michael Malice. And within like a month, I was like, within a month, I had like, I, I think I had like five Wasbot books within a month. And okay. so it's just, just been from, uh, yeah. from there. You must be a pretty quick reader. Is that, do you read fast? No, I, I just uh, I don't sleep a lot, and I, I have a oh. job. But thankfully, I can. Um, we spend an hour driving to and from the work sites, and we have like a thirty minute lines, and we take lots of breaks. So I just I bring the book to work, and then honestly, a lot of those books I have on Audible, and I enjoy it so much I buy a paper copy for like the sites and stuff. So I, I normally listen to a lot of audio books. Cool. What? Uh, without getting too specific, what kind of work do you do? Uh, surveying. I'm a. Uh, oh, I make, nice. Uh, So you have like the little uh, the little post and the little tripod thing and yep. all that. Oh, I suit nice. the, the gun, suit the level, one GPS unit. Do a lot of uh, a lot of work for the mines down here. Cool, nice. People, uh, some people in... get. Go ahead. Okay, yeah, I was say some people get shocked when I say I work for the mines and I work in Florida. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> know Florida just... had mines. Yeah, they have phosphate mines. Most people think of a mine as thinking like an actual like mine set, but it's just like skim mining where they just take a drag line and skim the top for phosphate. And make plastic out of it, and so it's. When I say the Florida mines, people are like Florida has caves. I'm like, it's not that kind of mining. It's 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 a little different. <laughs> That's funny. Cool. Uh, I my dad's in commercial real estate, so I've always kind of been um, fascinated by surveying and all the equipment and stuff, and just I guess property in general uh, has like you know I I don't know. I guess you could really say that like I grew up in a like propertarian household. I mean, and plus my dad was a big fan of Steve Forbes being that we were from Texas. Mm. Uh, so he was also a gold standard guy. Um, he's, he's by no means a libertarian. In fact, like makes fun of me for my affinity for Ron and <laughs> Rand Paul. But uh, he, uh, yeah, he was a gold standard guy. Yeah. Uh, being, being a surveyor and a libertarian, like the of about property rights is a lot of fun. 
Um, cause I, I know what it's like, you know, ease men, so that kind of stuff. I can't remember who it was. Um, one of the like mainstream libertarian guys had a question about like property rights. Cause someone buy out a property around you and lock you into your house. And he talked about how you, people have a right to an easement to, you know, escape property. And he called it an easy mint. And I, I, <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember who it was, but he called it an easy mint. And I just it, started like dying. <laughs> it had to be Dave Smith. He mispronounces everything. I, I, I was just, I, I wish I could remember who it was and find that clip and like post it. Uh, but it was before I was on Twitter, and so I wasn't like thinking of saving things. But it was oh, it was so funny. Um, so you went from Ben Shapiro to Joe Jorgensen to Tom Woods to now Pete Quinones. Pete Quinones, Curtis Yavin, that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I love uh, I love Yarvin. I yeah. devour. I like. I, I'm a subscriber to his Substack, like a paid subscriber. I read everything he puts yes. out. Um, I've still never read an Unqualified Reservations. Um, for some reason, reading back issues of an old blog um, is like, I, I don't know. I would have to do it at a desktop and <laughs> I don't really like to read on my computer because I'm also like I'm sitting where I work during the day and do my podcast and stuff. I just I don't like being in here um, any more well, than I have to be. Okay, well, I'd like uh, to see somebody put it in a book form. Well, uh, Skeptical Waves on YouTube has an audio copies, has an audio book of all of his uh, oh, stuff really? on it. Unqual- yeah, uh, uh, all of his books from Unqualified Weatherbases are available with audiobooks on uh, Skeptical Waves on YouTube. Skeptical Waves? Yeah. He does a lot of, he's a part of the OAC, NRX uh, Find My Friend community stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> he, has, he has all of uh, Yaki, some of Evola, all of Yarvin, some land stuff. He has like, and all of, he has like both Eric Von Kutler's Den books on uh, Liberty, Equality, Leftism, all his audiobooks. Like at this point now, I just I kind of just scroll through his channels. I want to cover down the podcast, and I just go from there. He's uh Great. he's incredible. All right, I'm gonna pull up his YouTube channel so I can remember. Oh, there it is. All right, great. He's got a whole playlist. How convenient. Um, right. I'm interested in what Two Bit Podcast wrote here. A long-term winning strat would be to create parallel mimetic desires within the meta culture that do not conflict with the meta. Be more like the Amish. He's been um, reading a lot of that uh, memetic series, dude. Friends, dude. What was his name again? Yeah, Rene Girard. Yeah, he's been reading a lot um, of Girard. I, I need to have him on to do, do a Girard episode because it's very yeah. interesting, but I don't get it yet. So I had David Gornoski on, and I was I this past weekend I had Cam Harless on, and he just had David Gornoski on. And Gornoski is heavily influenced by Girard, and um, I would like to be. I can't, I, I don't quite understand the memetic stuff just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, maybe maybe two bit podcast has been covering it, and I, I should go and listen to to that show. Um, it's a great show. But uh, the, they, uh, the skate Jason is great. Yeah, cool. All right, well I'll, I'll check it out. The um the scapegoat stuff from Gerard really hits home to me. Uh, having you know, having grown up as a gay kid in Texas, um, I don't I don't really I, I like I can identify with scapegoating, I guess. Hmm. Um, and I see it a lot in. Well, I mean, hell, Mark Clare, uh, the way that he was treated by the Mises Caucus was very scapegoatish to me. Um, when we when we pin like all of the perceived sins of the universe on one person uh, or one segment of people, which is um, is a you know common example, that uh, that to me kind of just smacks of I'd say like bigotry, but that's like the, that's like the height of bigotry. Like it's, you know, just pre prejudging people based on people who were maybe like them or something like that. You'd say Uh, it's rational and repugnant. 
I, I would not. I, I guess I would say that personally. I would never put it in my fucking party platform, though. Absolutely. <laughs> am I allowed to? Am I allowed to say the f word? Is that say whatever okay? the fuck you want? Right. Good, 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 okay. good, good. This is a Catholic yeah. show. We're, but yeah, I'm we're like, Catholics. Exactly. A... Well, no, we're Catholics. We can we can swear all we want. Exactly. It's not like it's not like we're fucking Baptists. No. Absolutely not. I have I have a, all my all my friends in IOL are still Protestant, and so to see me yeah. doing anything and they don't like smoking or drinking or anything, they're like. Caleb, you shouldn't be doing that. Like, I'll go to confession tomorrow. What's this in wages and more? Because oh they see confession is like the biggest evil. That's it's, hilarious. Are you a convert? Yes, yes, I am. Oh, cool. When did you convert? What was your What was your um, story there? I'm, uh, I've always I've always been fascinated. Like uh, the journey home, Marcus Grodi's mm, uh, book and TV show. Oh, love that. I used to just devour those stories. I, mm. I when especially when I was doing the Orthodox Catholic stuff. Um, mm. Like yeah, I, I they, guess great. I was telling I was telling Cam the other day. Like I I I'm. I was Catholic. I don't know what I am now. All I know is that I'm not Protestant, uh, which which he kind of laughed at. <laughs> a good um, place to be. Yeah. So I, you know, I mean, uh, but still, yeah, I'd love to know. I'd love to know, like, kind of how you um, crossed the Tiber, so to speak. Uh, well, I was born and raised Protestant, Pentecostal, uh, not not the snake kind. You know, we didn't have any snakes in the church. So That's what wanna... Cam said. Cam also was raised Pentecostal, and he specifically said not the crazy snake kind. You have to prep when you Pentecostal. You can't have to preface you're not a snake kind. We were a mega snake kind. We had a we had a Starbucks. Yeah, I guess when you're I guess when you're in the dirty South, you do have to clarify that. I've never like to me Pentecostals are just the four square like you know people who speak in tongues, and that's pretty much what I know about them. They dance in the aisles. But, yeah. Uh, never really fit in there because I always saw uh, the, the white woman who would fall to the ground crying as fake, and I, I that wasn't a very uh, popular thing to say, especially when you were kind of like look. Like I was young. I my mom and go, that's not real. <laughs> See, then that wasn't really a coastal, huh. I guess you could say. <clears throat> then no, uh, we had a, a great pastor, Pastor Redzi. He left and his son took over, and his son would give sermons. And I was looking into, I could like science and evolution, and they told me I couldn't believe in science, and so I. Uh, yeah, but then I found like, a bunch of Catholics who believed in evolution. So I started like reading all that kind of stuff and found Thomas yeah. Aquinas. And remember, he was giving a sermon one time and he said a bunch of things I didn't agree with. And so I emailed him and said, Heard your recent sermon, I don't agree, and here's why. And he started, we started a debate saying uh, to email. And after nice. a while of the debating with the pastor, and um, I, I brought up uh, Genesis and I'm like, because he's, he's a biblical literalist. And I said, Is the, the creation story of Genesis literal? And you have to believe, the, do you believe in a young earth? He goes, Well, I don't believe it's literal. I believe it's literal, but I don't believe it was um, has to be exactly seven days because the sun wasn't made to the third day, so we don't know how long yeah. the days are beforehand. Yeah. Like I'll tell you what, literal, it says days, and they never really came back from that one. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not. If I can, if I can, if I can debate and destroy the pastor, I'm not going to that church anymore. Was pretty much have, my reasoning. Have you read Augustine's On Genesis? No, I, I've only uh, I've only read a uh, Cardinal Ratzinger's uh, Pope Benedict stuff on Genesis. I haven't read any of Augustine okay. on it. I recommend Augustine's. Um, it's the only full volume church father I've ever read. And it's phenomenal. It is so good. I think that's like the third time I've said phenomenal. I should probably <laughs> work on my adjective. So good. I, I I had a zero off in democracy and he said ultimately like every other sentence. So it's all good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> good. Did he, did he use ultimate um, to mean like the last in a series or just like as a, slang term or whatever kind of both okay. kind of just bounce back and forth it was a, so at one point he said he just stopped saying it and he just continued saying it afterwards which was kind of funny i'm I, I guess i'm still i'm still hung up on this creating parallel mimetic desires <laughs> and i wish that you said um jason i wish that he would have elaborated on that, on that in the chat but it's probably too late um he said he's doing a live reading of it soon 
So that's okay, uh, good. Since hidden since the foundation of the world, so that'd be a fun to read. Wait. <coughs> oh yeah, things hidden. That's the name of David Gornoski's uh, podcast. Obviously, oh. I was like, wait a second, why does that sound familiar? Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna have to subscribe to Two Bit Podcast. I I recommend everybody else does too because Rene Girard is the goat, and um, I want to know everything about him, but I don't want to have to sit down and pick up a book because that's i'm lazy literally why i started this podcast as a book club i do a bunch really? of book clubs yeah i, I have a I, cover, I pick a book and i cover on a podcast with someone else and then that's how i because i know most libertarians uh say they read but they really just read the meme and then say they read the book the meme was from and so i yep. decided to actually cover the whole book because uh and then when the human accent podcast stopped doing their book club i declared myself the leading libertarian book club podcast oh great and well i'm i'm happy about that we're uh we're doing human action here the libertarian party of minnesota we're going to be not human action uh, main economy and state um, mm. are the chair of my of my uh, like local affiliate um, got a real steep discount on the the so main economy and state itself, but then also Bob Murphy's um, study guide to main economy mm. and state uh, from the Mises Institute. So we're buying those in bulk, and like anybody who wants a copy is going to get a copy, and we're just going to do a big group book study um, in his living room. So it's going to nice. be a lot of fun. That yeah. sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, but I, Actually, we, we were able to we, we were able to get my partner, who's not libertarian um, and has no interest in econo- economics, uh, to for whatever reason decided that he wanted to join us. So he'll be uh, he'll be sort of our our guinea pig as to like how accessible this stuff is to mm-hmm. the outside world. Um, Rothbard's conceived in liberty is what made me an anarchist. Uh, I was a you know as a Ron Paul kid from two thousand eight and um. But Ron Paul always talked about the Constitution. And I was like, yeah, that's, you know, I, I don't even know what the difference between the Libertarian Party and the Constitution Party is. Uh, and then I heard Tom Woods and Lou Rockwell. I don't know if it was on the Lou Rockwell show or the Tom Woods show, but it was on one of their shows. They were talking and Lou Rockwell said, um, well, the Constitution says, and then he stopped and he goes, now I'm no fan of the Constitution, but this is what it says. And I said, not a fan of the Constitution? Who? The, well, how can you possibly call yourself a Libertarian if you're not a fan of the Constitution? Uh <laughs> And then, and so so that led me to the Mises Institute, not just LRC, and that led me to Conceived in Liberty, which I listened to the audio book of, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. Now I understand why the why the Constitution doesn't make does isn't part of libertarianism. Um, I don't know where I'm at now regarding like the anarchy, minarchy, whatever um, divide. I don't think it matters anymore. Um, to, you know, COVID changed everything, uh, yeah. so to speak. So. Yeah, actually, let's, let's, talk about, let's talk about that for a little bit here. Uh, not COVID yeah. changing things, but specifically okay. like labels. Sure. Um, so I, I said earlier, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of done with labels. I think I think the best people are ones who just say the right wing, and then pull from all the different, or, or just say the left wing and say the right wing, and just pull all over that spectrum. Yeah. I think they can use. I think anyone who kind of describes to a label, um, inherently also is describing to the ideology of that label, um, and then that comes with a lot of problems when you try to different from anyone who is inside that ideology or you have a like how was it <clears throat> excuse me like people who comment on like uh andrew from popular liberty stuff by like well that's not libertarian it's just like it's it's like it's gonna if it if it was <laughs> my one guy said well that's not what was said like i don't care what was said on this topic i think i'm right on this one okay i don't i'm not i don't watch the boss bar and lie to everything he says this isn't objectivism mm-hmm. he's not ayn Rand. this isn't the same it's, it's yeah yeah. Well, Rothbard's pro-choice. I, I, I mean that that in itself, you know, to me proves that he's not like I'm not I'm not copacetic with him on everything. 
I guess yeah. is what is, is where I would land on that question. But uh, anyway, yeah, labels. So I, I would I would even question right wing um, how to because, you know, you get into the you get into the argument of, you know, whether neocons are right wing in the same way that you get into the question of, you know, whether Nick Sarwark is a libertarian. Um, where do you, where do you see the definition of right wing, uh, lying, I guess? Um, I would say a definition of right wing is uh, a definition of a right wing person. I guess you could say as someone who believes in order and natural hierarchies, like that's really like, like my, my white left divided divided as left being a uh, egalitarian white being hierarchical or mm. chaos versus order. Um, and it's very, keep it very, very simple, very small. I know Andrew has this whole time preference for power thing where I go yeah. over too many that while well, I think he's white, it goes over way too many people's heads to be effective uh use. This is a lot of what Andrew says, honestly. It's like I think he's right on almost everything, but he I'm in a group status with Andrew and he'll send like like basically books on a thesis on like one question one guy had. A guy I felt texted me and was like, Hey, how do you make him stop? He needs <laughs> to he needs to publish that stuff to his subscribe star so that we all can see it. Because uh, I have he's, I have thus far not been invited to the uh, to the Praxian group chat, even though I have asked to be invited. Um, I'm, I'm hoping to get invited eventually. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm I'm decidedly not a Praxian anymore. Like I that was that was another rabbit hole that I I considered, and um, I mean, you know, I like his ideas. I don't I don't think that he's going to be any more successful than the LP at you know turning the LP. How did I how did I put this? Ugh, I don't remember. The Mises Caucus has to turn the Libertarian Party Libertarian. The Praxians have to turn the Republican Party Libertarian or something like that. I, I don't I don't know. It was it was super clever, super clever at the time. Um I don't you know, the same my same criticism of political libertarianism I have for political Praxianism. I I I don't think that you get I don't think that people on the right, broadly speaking, people who I definitely agree with you with the natural hierarchy thing. Um, and I think that libertarianism is sort of the apotheosis of the desire for natural hierarchies. Uh, so I would consider right wingism, libertarianism, or, or liberta libertarianism, right wingism writ large. I would um, I would consider libertarianism as properly understood as also right wing. Sure. Um, but is this some there's some principles in libertarianism specifically when it comes to like more actions of strategy? Yeah. Or specifically with libertarians who adopt a political ideology as an overall philosophy that I'm just like, I'm gonna distance myself. I'm gonna and I still like 90 90% of it, but I'm gonna distance myself a little bit because I think there's a few issues that I'm not gonna fix. So the other thing is that I think libertarianism is definitely in the natural hierarchies thing, at least if it's properly understood, mm -hmm. but it's not uh, aligned with the order thing. Um, unless you grant that order can be derived from chaos and um, or, or the, like the spontaneous order that uh, that economists talk about, the invisible hand of the market, et cetera. Um, so if it's an imposed order, which I think of as conservatism or traditionalism or, you know, even theocracy, then, um, you know, that would probably be incompatible with sort of pure libertarian theory, I guess. Although, I mean, I guess, you know, Hoppe talks about it in his Covenant Communities thesis. But then, you know, I mean, Covenant Communities are necessarily pretty small. Um, he also talks about, you know, the major metropolitan areas that are 
essentially left wing chaotic uh, types of areas. But then in a covenant community that I'm really, I'm really kind of going off on a tangent here, but in a covenant community, um, who's to say that the hierarchies are natural. Uh, if it's a, if it's a company town, um, which he describes in, in democracy, the guy that fails, then it's not a, it's not a spontaneous hierarchy, a natural hierarchy. It's a, it's definitely a managed hierarchy that's created by the company that owns the town. Um, well, I think the the best person who wrote one, uh, besides Harper, who wrote one like covered the communities and that style was uh, Curtis Yellen had a book or uh, a blog, a series of blog posts called Patchwork, which he kind of yeah. dives into. Like, that seems a great read. Um, yeah. great I actually example, have read that. I think it's it's a good one. I, I had a uh, what's his name, uh, Jay from Slip Gang on for that one, which was uh, was great. But uh, one important simultaneous example, I have my he's a, he's a kind of example of my issues is they will they a lot of them conflate security with oppression. Or uh, they say things like um, mm-hmm. freedom is the absence of coercion or absence of force kind of thing. Um, but I think if you like, if you are free in your property, but the moment you step outside of your property, you're killed, you're not really free because you're not free to leave your property. Yeah. But if you have a secure uh, a secure society that has, uh, that has like freedom has to come out of security, has to come out of the, the suppression of coercive okay. threats. So you have to have some security, which implies some order to the security, which implies you have to have those two as necessary components for acts of freedom to exist in the community. I don't think libertarians follow that line of reasoning. And I think they have some um, conflation how they view words that they disagree with that. Like I think the media they would agree with, but the, the words they don't like, and so they wouldn't agree with it. I think you're absolutely right um, to an extent. I think that that line of reasoning that you just expressed um, is what got Dave Smith in trouble with the less thoughtful libertarians um, who, you know, thought that his idea that, you know, um, homeless people who are drug addicts should not be allowed to sleep on park benches or occupy space in the public library where they're jerking off to porn or whatever, um, which like I've experienced, I was a, I was a, a, like volunteer at a AIDS crisis center um, that happened to have a lending library uh, in Dallas and the lending library had free computers with internet access, but like everybody who wasn't homeless had internet access in their pocket at this point. Um, And so like the only people who would actually show up to this library to use the internet were homeless people who knew that they could get on porn here because we didn't filter the internet, unlike the public libraries. Uh, And like, even at that hyper progressive, you know, gay, serving hiv um oriented place like i would have to kick somebody out if they were jerking off to porn on the on the internet Um, obviously i didn't need to call the cops to do that but like you know if they became problematic i might have um i don't see any conflict there uh with libertarianism um but for whatever reason dave smith when he says hey yeah no you can't be doing this shit um he got into huge trouble with the libertarians and I don't, I don't know that they were very thoughtful in that. Um, I mean, a lot, so anyway. a lot of them want, like I got one guy making the argument that um, because he has sent up a tent on the property, he has mixed his labor with the land and is now rightful owner of that land because government land is unowned land. And so he made a lock in homestead argument for homeless people that own parks. And I'm like, no, I'm not. No, that's so <laughs> stupid. I'm not engaging with you on this one. You're just wrong. <laughs> Like I just I I like what are you, yeah, like they're, they're all good libertarians. Like Lou Rockwell, for example, is one of my favorite libertarians. I think he's like my I think he is like my go-to favorite guy. I think Rockwell is just absolutely incredible. His book Against the Left is like my second favorite book ever written. Like it's just mm-hmm. it's amazing, and he gets he gets like is he 
I think he uh, Ian truly understands the order things, the order side and the security side of things. Like when he has this that article, like at least the cops, like he he gets like okay, we're we're not in Capistan. We have to have some uh, since been some order here. It's um, I mean, in his book against the left, he, he uses the uh, expert of Murray Rothbard say we don't have you don't have to let homeless people sting up the library. You don't have to let the UPS uh fail to deliver all its all its um. Uh, packages because that would be disastrous for the populace. And it's not yeah. fair to the populace who pays for it, who is forced to subsidize the service, get robbed of that service that they're already being robbed to pay for. And so, like, the good libertarians get it, but I think just this overall, there's some people who don't. That's just, I, I don't want to be associated with that group wholeheartedly mm-hmm. anymore. That makes sense. Um, I, on the other hand, am sitting here tilting at windmills uh, still. So, um, we'll see which one of us, which one of us is is, is right. Uh, actually, we probably won't ever see that. Um, we no, will continue on our own paths and um, hopefully end up, you know, successful in wherever those paths lead. Two bit podcast with another just bomb of wisdom, and this one I do understand. Liberalism has confused organizations with order. Uh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, and when he says liberalism. I'm assuming he's not conflating that with progressivism, which is a subset of liberalism, but so is libertarianism. Um, Like when you confuse or conflate an institution or an organization with a naturally occurring elite. uh, And so this was something that I bristled at up until, I mean, very recently. I mean, Michael Malice has always called himself like a, an elitist. And I've always been like, ah, he's just being tongue in cheek. Nobody's actually an elitist. You, know, you can't be an anarchist and an elitist. But like, no, it t- totally makes sense. Um, having now worked in like politics proper and not just, you know, arguing about politics on Facebook. Um, I see what it's like, you know, dealing with a candidate's who are candidates because like they are members of the community who other members of the community like and respect um, and honor versus being a member of the community who has used his, you know, manipulation skills to get ahead. Um, And so, so that that illustration is, you know, translatable to just about anything. I mean, you know, when when the wrong person becomes the elite, uh, that is almost always because of some sort of managed, um, you know, That's... managed hierarchy as opposed to a naturally occurring hierarchy. Um, and yeah, anyway, it, it's a, it's all it's all it's all bureaucratic stuff that's, that's, that's probably my second biggest criticism of the state is that it's in it's interfered similar with the natural flow and the creation of high yeah. of uh, elites that now all the elites just suck and yeah. there's no place to turn for actual counter or well, good elites because they're all subsidized well, and created by the institution of the state and that's that's why i i'm i'm i i guess i guess i'm a collapsitarian i don't really know <laughs> i think that that's the inevitable the inevitable trajectory of any state um it's you're either going to deflate slowly like the, like the British empire did. And, you know, great Britain is now a pretty functioning society. Um, You know, they've got their problems Uh, in a lot of ways. They're like less woke than the United States. Um, They're um, they, they, you know, they, they, they have their issues with authoritarianism, just like any modern Western state. Um, But they were, they did, they did kind of deflate slowly and, did not crash and burn because they had the United States to prop them up. Um, or you go the way of Rome or, you know, the United States 
30 or 40 years from now and you just collapse and it sends things into turmoil and you have a new so-called dark age. Um, and that's what I'm a little bit afraid of. And I hate to see what my niece, nieces and goddaughter and so on have in store for them. Yeah. Uh, Cause it's not, I don't think it's going to be pretty. Uh, I, 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 I hope that I am able to influence the adults around me to raise their children. Cause I, you know, I'm, I'm pushing 40. I'm probably never going to have kids. Um, but you know, I do have people I love who have kids and I have kids who I love in my life. Uh, so I'm hoping that I can use my influence such as it is to, um, kind of bring up people who are able to be self-sufficient who are able to fly and see the world for what it is and that's why i named my show blackbird um after the beatles song so so yeah i i i i want to i want to make people as self-sufficient as possible so that generations hence they are not in just absolute dire straits mm -hmm. if we're if we're headed to feudalism i want them to be lords and not the serfs Absolutely, you you gotta talk to uh, Jason. You used to talk to him sometimes soon. He's um he's great. He's he's uh orthodox, kind of neo reactionary. Um, we had a, we had a podcast a while ago. We did. I had him on my uh, three part series on um dust uh not dust of the west suicide of the west from uh, by James Burnham. And uh, he's he uh we were talking about like the failure uh the collapse of America and stuff, or how we're probably never going to see the success of any idea ideas in the future. And he. He's a daughter, so he's all on. Like I, yeah. I know I'm never gonna see anything in my lifetime. Everything I'm doing is to make sure my daughter has a future that's going to be successful or is going to be survivable of the collapse. Or the ideas I spread will influence her and and the next generation of people. Like he's just incredible, great guy. Awesome. Yeah, I actually, as it turns out, Jason and I have messaged kind of a lot and less than a year ago. So, so I should, I should really, I should really have that in mind for some reason um and i don't i don't know why like i know the two-bit podcast because we follow each other on twitter i i'm sure i've listened to at least an episode because um otherwise why would i have followed him in any case uh yeah jason this is an open invitation to appear on blackbird i'd love to i'd love to have that conversation um he did and caleb episode. obviously i should probably i should probably return the favor and have you on the show as well um, come on um, now he he did an episode recently on a uh, Curtis Yarvin friend of Fed. He's doing a friend of Fed series that you might enjoy. He brings <laughs> it like what uh what was the what, what was the conclusion? Uh, we didn't really we saw a conclusion on that one. I feel like, like it was very okay. uh he, he could go either way. Then we did he also did they um Jordan Peterson friend of Fed, which was pretty good. He's going through how IDW people sure so uh, really good. But sorry, that's probably really <clears> loud. Um, yeah, no uh. If I had to, if I had to make a just knee-jerk reaction, Jordan Peterson, if not fed, then useful idiot, and Yarvin, <laughs> um, probably not fed, but definite limited hangout. That's a fair answer. Well, we've gone for an hour and six minutes. This has been a, a great podcast. Absolutely enjoyed it. Since coming on, uh, where, where can people find you at? Uh, so James LJ on Twitter. Um, and then Blackbird with James Gentleman on all the podcatchers, YouTube, et cetera. I'm switching podcast hosts. I've been saying that for weeks. Um, I switched from Substack to RSS.com, and I need to build out my my new website. So mm -hmm. BlackbirdPodcast.com is still 
live, I think, but I don't know where it po- where it points. It might go to Substack where you're not going to find my episode. So your best bet is just to search for it in your podcast app. Wonderful. Oh, uh, one more question. If you could recommend any book to uh, to people, what book would you recommend? <laughs> uh, well, if it's someone who is... The most impactful book I've ever read is a book called The Ragamuffin Gospel by Brennan Manning. Manning. Um, it is a bit of a Christian slash Catholic self-help book. Um, it's really good. The Ragamuffin Gospel. Um, but if someone is Bible curious and and or Catholic curious, then I always send them to A Father Who Keeps His Promises by Scott Hahn. And if they're Liberty book. Curious, if they're Liberty Curious, I don't recommend books. Um, uh, I mean, if I was pressed, then probably For New Liberty by Rothbard. But like, I, I don't like libertarian books for the most part, um, I would probably just say, Hey, you know, follow some libertarians on Twitter and maybe go to the Mises Institute from time to time. But yeah. Yeah. Scott Hahn is a, I think I have obviously not all of his books. He's about like 60 yeah. something. I, I see um, the spines. <laughs> I am a, his, I think if you, have you, uh, before you wrap up, I say, have you read his book, um, politicizing the Bible? No. Oh, you, I think you'd love it. It's a history of uh, biblical criticism and how different uh, government powers have hired and found uh, friends, priests, or theologians and used them to uh, say, hey, push this narrative of the Bible so I can control the population this way. It's okay, entire- so is, is dispensationalism in there where, uh, where the, the American evangelicals um, made Israel a thing, basically? It's not in that one, but it's in the sequel book. Um, hold on. While you're looking, John Hartman, John Hartman uh, recommended How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World by uh, the, a good one. the guy. Yeah, I've actually never read that, I'm ashamed to say. And it's probably the one that, from what I know about it, it's the one that is most aligned with what I believe as far as libertarianism goes. Mm. What's the name of the guy that wrote that book? Holy crap. Uh, hey, Brown, right? Yeah, that's it. Thank you. Yeah. So the second book is uh, talking about was... Um... Uh, his modern history of biblical criticism. The first book only covers from 1300 to 1700. The second one covers 1700 to 1900. Nice. Uh, and he has a popular level book called The Decline and Fall of uh, Sacred Scripture. And so he has a That's popular fantastic. level one and two scholar yeah. level works. And they're really good on really good topic. I have read all of his books on the sacraments, along with The Father Who Keeps His Promises um, and Swear to God, which is kind of about all of the sacraments. Uh, and then Rome Sweet Home, of course, because everybody who's anybody has read that. Um, but I haven't read anything since then. Uh, you know, I mean, I haven't really read Catholic literature in a few years. So I, I really um, enjoy his yeah, book on uh, Mary. He has, a, he has a great book on Mary. Yeah, Hail Holy Queen. Yeah, that's another one. Um, actually, Mark Shea has a he's a Catholic blogger, um, but he has a three three volume book on Mary um, that is real good. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's just Mark Shea S H E A. He's the one who. Uh, introduced me to Ron Paul and set me down this particular path. Um, so he's a Catholic blogger. He hates libertarianism. He says it's an ideology for people without children. Um, <laughs> he thinks that it's just completely atomistic and, and, and um, not, not cognizant of the fact that there's a society and not just people, not individuals. Um, but Ron Paul was anti-war especially namely anti the Iraq war and torture and so, and all the other attendant uh, things that came along with that um, and pro-life. 
so he was like, well, I guess he's my guy by default. Um, so, so that's how I discovered Ron Paul was through his blog. I also discovered Tom Woods through his blog because he reviewed his book, How the Catholic Church Built Western Civilization. That's a good one. Um, and uh, so I kind of dropped the Mark Shea um, and kept the Tom Woods and Ron Paul and the rest is history. Awesome. Well, guys, this is an episode of uh, Face, Liberty, and Praxis. This is season two, episode nine. Um, tomorrow will be the last episode for the month. It's going to be a review of uh, What is a Woman by Matt Walsh with uh, Adam Patrick and um, oh, what's his name? Tommy. Tommy Salmons. I can't remember forgot his name. Um, so yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. It will, it will not be on YouTube. It will only be an Odyssey because uh, I don't believe it would stay up on YouTube. And so we're going to make it an Odyssey exclusive. Um, but yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, but that's it for this episode. Um, have a good night.